This isn't supposed to be a commentary on current events. I'm just really bad at timing. Pretend that going outside and visiting tourist attractions is still a thing. The most popular spot for tourists in New York City as of 2020 is the Statue of Liberty. But say instead of visiting a tourist attraction, you want to pay homage to a place in New York City that is important to the day-to-day -day operations of the city. In that case, leaving from the Statue of Liberty, pop on the ferry back to Manhattan, once you reach Landfall in Battery Park, you're going to want to head to the South Ferry Subway Station and get on the 1, 2, or 3 train. The train will take you up the west coast of Manhattan, through Battery Park City, past the World Trade Center, and around Tribeca and Greenwich Village. Then, you'll need to change trains at 14th Street. Hop on the eastbound S train. This will only take you a few blocks, so you can actually just walk this if you want. If you choose to take the subway, make sure you get off at the 3rd Avenue station. As soon as you walk out onto 3rd Avenue, you'll encounter a Bitcoin ATM. You'll also be surrounded on all sides by a Starbucks, an IHOP, a Trader Joe's, and a KFC. Grab something to eat at one of those and walk up East 14th Street for a block until you get to Irving Place. Make a right and you'll arrive at the headquarters of Consolidated Edison, also known as Con Edison. Not many people realize truly how important Con Edison is. The company provides electricity to all of New York City, as well as parts of Westchester County. This combined area of 9 million people relies entirely on Con Edison for electricity. That one building on Irving Place is the center of the city's electrical power. And if something happens to any of Con Edison's many power stations, the impact on the city can be serious. There have been several blackouts that have affected the New York City metropolitan area, but one in particular stands out because of the impact it had. I'm going to tell you all about it, right now, on Historia Obscura. Welcome to Historia Obscura. This is the 11th episode of this podcast, and I'm excited as always to release a new episode. Special thank you to Patreon subscriber SoDaxDak. If you want to receive a shout-out in every episode, among other benefits, help support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash historiaobscura and becoming a patron. One more thing, make sure to stick around for a little to hear a message about the sponsor of this episode of Historia Obscura, Anchor. If you want to make your own podcast, you'll want to know everything about how to use Anchor. On July 13th, 1977, at 8.37 p.m., 
Lightning struck the Buchanan South Con Edison substation in Westchester County, New York. To prevent an electrical surge, Con Edison tried to bring an emergency station online. However, nobody was manning the station, and this attempt failed. Almost 20 minutes later, lightning struck again at a substation in Yonkers. While reductions were put in place to prevent an overload, this failed. Con Edison's interconnection with upstate New York's Central Hudson Gas and Electric was severed, which in turn overloaded the connection with New Jersey's Public Service Electric and Gas. Within a few minutes, the connections with PSE&G, as well as with the Long Island Power Authority, were cut off. In a last-ditch effort to keep New York City's generators online, a Con Edison operator attempted to manually remove customers. However, he flipped the switches in the wrong order. This overloaded the Con Edison power system, and at 9.36 p.m., New York City was plunged into darkness. This wasn't an ideal time for New York City to experience a blackout. The city was in the midst of a severe financial crisis, and it was on the verge of declaring bankruptcy. There were also underlying racial tensions in the city, most notably in the Crown Heights neighborhood of Brooklyn, in which a divide between African Americans and Orthodox Jews would boil over into a deadly riot 15 years later. In addition, New York was going through a brutal heat wave where temperatures peaked at 104 degrees Fahrenheit. As if it couldn't get any worse, serial killer David Berkowitz was in the middle of a murder spree. The blackout also complicated the production of the movie Superman, starring Marlon Brando in the title role, which was being filmed in New York. Meanwhile, Shea Stadium lost power at around 9.30pm, while the New York Mets were losing to the Chicago Cubs. LaGuardia Airport and JFK Airport were both shut down for 8 hours, and 4,000 people had to be evacuated from pitch-black subway stations. But in the middle of this chaos, something big happened. But to fully understand what happened, we need to go back a few years. Beginning in the early 1970s, a new genre of music emerged in African-American communities in the Bronx. It was known as hip-hop. It consisted of two main components. The first component was rapping or emceeing. Rapping involves the delivery of rhymes and wordplay, often incorporating social and political commentary in a rhythmic fashion. The second component was disc jockeying, or DJing. DJs were originally just tasked with playing records as background music for rappers. However, Jamaican-born DJ Cool Herc pioneered the technique known as scratching, where a DJ pushes the records against the turntables, creating unique rhythms. In 1973, Herc, then 16 years old, held a back-to-school party for his younger sister at their West Bronx apartment. 
Herc became instantly popular in the Bronx after demonstrating his revolutionary DJ techniques. While many feared that the battling aspect of rapping would contribute to the South Bronx's ongoing gang warfare, others, like South Bronx-based rapper Africa Bombata, encouraged street gangs to abandon their violent urges in favor of embracing their creative urges. Needless to say, hip-hop became extremely popular in the Bronx, but there was a major obstacle to the genre's expansion. DJ equipment was very expensive, and many aspiring DJs in impoverished neighborhoods simply couldn't afford it. To expand its influence, hip-hop just needed a way for people to get their DJ equipment. During the blackout of 1977, looting and arson were rampant. Because of this, many aspiring DJs saw the blackout as a perfect opportunity to steal the equipment they could use to join the hip-hop scene. On the evening of the blackout, DJ Grandmaster Kaz and his partner Disco Wiz were spinning records in a park in the Bronx. When the lights in the park began to flicker and the music faded out, The two feared that they had shorted out the park's electricity, but after seeing several businesses close their gates, they realized that the park wasn't the only affected area. In a 2014 interview, Kaz said, and I quote, I went right to the place where I bought my first set of DJ equipment and I went and got me a mixer out of there. He also said, after the blackout, all this new wealth was found by people and opportunity sprang from that, and you could see the differences before the blackout and after. After the blackout, hip-hop expanded outside of the Bronx. The blackout was just the push it needed. By 1979, just two years after the blackout, hip-hop was a mainstream genre in the United States. And while the popularity of DJing has stagnated, rap music in particular is an international, multi-billion dollar industry today. The blackout of 1977 lasted a total of 25 hours. In the Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood of Brooklyn, 134 stores were looted, while 45 were set on fire. Over 1,600 stores were looted in the entire city of New York, while over 1,000 fires were responded to. The blackout also holds the record of the largest mass arrest in New York City's history, in which 3,776 people were arrested. There was also one death due to the blackout. In the early morning of July 14th, 17-year-old Dominic Siscone, an aspiring mobster, was shot and killed in the Carroll Gardens neighborhood of Brooklyn. His killer was never found. In total, the blackout had an estimated economic impact of $300 million dollars. Adjusted for inflation, that is worth $1.2 billion today. The blackout, along with the ongoing financial crisis and spiking crime, weighed heavily on New Yorkers' perceptions of Mayor Abraham Beam. 
in the 1977 Democratic primary for mayor of New York, Beam came in a distant third place behind Mario Cuomo and the primary winner, Ed Koch. Cuomo, the father of incumbent New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, ran as the Liberal Party candidate, but lost the election to Koch. The blackout of 1977 was a major problem for the city of New York. Yet, without it, one of the most influential music genres today may have never made it outside of the Bronx. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Historia Obscura. Again, this isn't related to any current events. I've just been planning this episode for a while. If you want to suggest an episode of Historia Obscura, send me a voice message at anchor.fm slash Historia Obscura slash message. Feel free to leave your name and location, and if I like your idea, I'll make an episode of it and give you credit. Additionally, if you want to support this podcast, go to patreon.com slash Historia Obscura and become a patron. And of course, I can't go without once again thanking this episode's sponsor, Anchor. They are by far the easiest way to make a podcast, so if you want to make your own, go to anchor.fm. With that said, this is Jack from Historia Obscura. Signing off, but not for long.